Ladies and gentlemen, he's the samurai of student ministry, the networking ninja, a Jedi master of church budgets, the beast from the southeast, the next-gen nerd himself, CJ! What's up, my nerds? Welcome back to the podcast where we talk nerdy and we talk ministry. If you're liking what you're hearing, let us know. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave us a five-star review so others can find the show. I think we're going to do something special here soon for someone who reviews the show. Not sure exactly how that's going to work out, but uh, go ahead and get your review in so you can be considered for it. Today's topic is Stargate. It's a movie and a trio of shows. If you've never heard of it, it's fantastic. Uh, It is streaming. uh, Where did I find it? I think I found it on... Netflix. Maybe it was Netflix. Maybe it was HBO Max. I don't know. But it's out there. Check it out. Uh, we're talking with Lance Hardy, who's a friend of mine from church and an assistant principal in the area. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, it's a little long because there's a whole lot for us to cover. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show and give us a great five-star review. It'd be fantastic. Check it out. Well, guys, like I mentioned, I'm here with my buddy Lance Hardy, and uh, we're here to talk about Stargate. So Lance, how's your day going, man? Going really well, man. I love these uh, holidays, and uh, particularly, we're just so grateful for the sacrifice of the veterans who have uh, fought, continue to fight for our country. And uh, it almost feels uh, like a raw deal that we get the day off when they did all the work. But uh, nevertheless, we really appreciate their sacrifice. I remember when I was in uh, uh, in tenth grade. I remember we didn't have Veterans Day off. I forgot how the, how the schedule worked, but we didn't have Veterans Day off. And like kids were like losing their minds. And I remember my history teacher going, what are you planning on doing on this day? Like, what are you, what are you, what were you planning on doing? And of course it was stay home, watch TV, whatever else. And she's like, so you don't want to like observe the holiday. You're just lazy. Got it. Okay. You know, like she was like, are you, are you, are you going to a, a Veterans Day memorial thing, parade thing? Are you doing, no, no, we're just going to stay home. It's like, okay, so you really don't care about the holiday. You just want the day off. But uh, but yes, it is a uh, an important day for us to celebrate Armistice Day, and uh, and I'm actually going to go see my dad yes. here in a little bit, who is my favorite veteran, my favorite yes. veteran. So very cool. Well, we are uh, talking about Stargate, and that is a large topic. And so we're going to start big and kind of and kind of move in. So uh, I'm just going to go over a couple of details here, and then I want to hear uh, your experience with Stargate. Um, so when I Google search Stargate, just to go ahead and or no IMDb, IMDb search Stargate to so start get some details and stuff. What's really funny uh, first thing is that Nate Bargatze comes up when you search Stargate, and I was like, was Nate Bargatze, who's a stand-up comedian who I like. Was he in Stargate? Uh, but it's not. It's just that uh, the middle of his last name is A-R-G-A-T, which is the middle of Stargate. So they're like, maybe he meant to type Bargatze. Maybe that was it. I got really excited for a second. <laughs> like if Nate Bargatze was on Stargate, I need to go back and watch that episode. But all right, so we have our movie uh, that, that started all in 1994. Uh, SG-1 yep. kicked off in 97, 10 seasons, 213 yep. episodes. Atlantis, 2004 with 99. Couldn't hit that 100 mark uh, and five seasons. And then finally, Universe in 2009 with 40 episodes, which I did not remember there being that many episodes of SGU uh, for two seasons. And then, of course, a whole host of other uh, TV movies and shorts and offshoots and everything else. Uh, so, so Lance, tell me first, like, what is your experience with Star Wars? Like, why is this a I enjoy Stargate? Uh, I said Star Wars, Stargate. Why, what, is your, what is your history with Stargate? Uh, well, in general, I'm a, a just big sci-fi fan. My my brother and my dad uh, were, were always you know watched everything growing up: uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, 
um, just enemy mine. You know, we, we had a, we had a bunch of those '80s, '70s, and '80s um, sci-fi hits that were you know big hits in the theater or not so big hits in the theater, <laughs> as the case may be. Um, Battle Beyond the Stars, you know, that, that kind of you know, just all sorts of sci-fi stuff that you look back on now and you're like, wow, that's <laughs> <laughs> these are fantastic. What a shirt. Yeah, you want to share it with your kids, and then you pre-watch it. You're like, ah, I'm not going to share that with my kids. <laughs> if but, you get them young enough, but, uh, then, then the nostalgia still kicks in, and they'll still watch it with you. But you got to yeah. get them young. You got to get them young on those. That's true. <laughs> I, I really uh, to that to that effect. I missed my window. I think with uh, Flash Gordon. I'm, I'm going to try it anyway. But uh, now um, the, you the really got to catch them right. With Flash Gordon, I tried watching that with Charlie. The amount of innuendos that I did not realize were in there. I was like, Ooh. that's true. And, and she'll still yeah. go back to that. She'll go, why was it that we couldn't finish that movie? And I was like, I really don't want to tell you why we couldn't finish that movie. That's, I'd rather us talk about anything else right now. Um, there but, you go. But yes. Oh. But uh, yeah, just, you know, big, big background with uh, science fiction, fantasy, um, both uh, both movies. And I, I didn't have a lot of television growing up, but movies and uh, some books as well. And uh, I had actually just started college when um, Stargate came out. Okay. Um, I graduated high school in 94. And if I remember correctly, it was the fall of 94 that uh, Stargate came out in the movie. And um, I've seen Kurt Russell in a few things. Wasn't really familiar with James Spader at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the previews looked awesome. Um, it was like the, the, like the birth of the internet. You may recall that Stargate had, was like either the first or one of the first movies that had their own webpage. Um, it was... Uh, just a kind of a big like uh, event for me, like you know, first time in college, first sci-fi movie on my own, and you know, it's kind of that uh, that time that you really feel like you're coming into your own, developing who you are as a person and stuff. So, um, just that was where I was in my life, and not, yeah. not like Stargate really shaped that. It was just that's the moment I was in. It was a crucial and, time. Uh, I remember your life, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, I, I mean, for that reason, very weird things. I have a lot of things I don't remember very well at all, but I, I remember the theater that I saw it in. Uh, like, I remember, like, the, the posters walking in. And, I mean, it was it's, it's crazy the amount of detail I remember from that. And, um, you know, really enjoyed it. I thought it was did a great job of, uh, it was entertaining, of course, with nice score, musical score. Um, Spader and uh, Kurt Russell did a great job, um, a good supporting cast. And I thought that they, they played really nicely on things on pre-existing ideas. Mm. And this is something I don't, I don't want to get too far on a tangent, but this is something that science fiction um, battles with. So does fantasy, really, but science fiction in particular. And this is something that I've been talking to other people regarding Dune is that um, when you're world building, um, if you literally start from scratch, like we're like, there's nothing that anybody can relate to at all. Um, um, it's amazing. I mean, the, 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 I have deep respect for that, but it's a little harder to maybe perhaps right. get into it. Yep. Um, it takes several, several viewings, several readings or whatever. So you really have to be committed. Whereas if it's something like, you know, you already have established, um, uh, air force, you have established the, even the ideas of, uh, aliens building pyramids, you mm -hmm. know, or, uh, all that stuff. So things are already in our cultural consciousness. Right. And uh, so the movie, the movie played off of those very nicely. And, uh, you know, he had a really good story arc for uh, the two main characters. Uh, I think in particular, O'Neill had a really cool story arc with, uh, you know, starting off with the loss of his son um, or not, didn't show, I mean, you know what I mean? Starting off with his dealing with the loss of his son um, and uh, being kind of an emotional uh, uh, motivation for him as he's going through his decision-making process. 
so yeah, some good stuff. I, I wasn't like, you know, it's not Shakespeare, but it was, it was very entertaining. Yeah. And uh, it left a good mark on, on me. And, and so I, I didn't really think much of it. It, it was, I didn't, it didn't strike me as the kind of thing that would be something you build a franchise on. Right. Right. You know, it wasn't too long after that, that maybe two years after that or so that uh, Independence Day came out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, 96. Uh, you know, right. So you have like, you know, those kind of movies that are, are generally presented as standalone movies mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you're like, okay, cool. One and done. It was fun. And uh, kind of, kind of move on. Um, so in 97, when Stargate SG-1 started, I actually didn't even realize it. And uh, the reason is because it was on Showtime. So mm. for the first five seasons it was on, it was uh, on Showtime. I didn't have Showtime. I uh, wasn't really aware of the kind of shows that were on there. Um, no big deal. It just wasn't in my, my, uh, my view at the time. Right. And then five years later, when uh, they were um, starting to switch over to Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. uh, Sci-Fi picked up, I believe, some syndication, or I don't call it syndication, but they picked up some episodes. And then they eventually took over the production of uh of su1 for the sixth season if i remember right and um it was around then around like oh two maybe that i uh i really started watching it and what originally caught my attention was richard dean anderson mm. and uh so macgyver, MacGyver yeah huge huge, huge <laughs> fan loved macgyver growing up i actually was macgyver for for uh, halloween one year which didn't make any sense because nobody could tell what i was just a guy <laughs> with a semi-mullet and uh so it, it entertained me because when we when I uh, saw the first episode at uh, Children of the Gods episode, it was uh, you have all these young actors and actresses um, that had never done like really anything. And they all looked so green. Um, <laughs> then, and then you got Richard David Anderson, who's just kind of walking around like well, right. I've done this for 30 years. You know, just just the veteran on, on there. And he, and he was it was so obvious mm. that he was the veteran. And uh, so, you know, he had, those, he had some fun episodes, he had kind of some staples, things that other sci-fi shows have done similar versions of, but um, they did a real nice job that first season, I think, of kind of doing a little bit of background, yeah. right? Like, a, so you have your, you know, your planet of the week kind of episodes, but you right. also do a little bit of building. Mm-hmm. And um, so by the time the second season, you had a really nice cliffhanger at the end of the first season. And... Uh, by the time that second season gets going and you start to develop more and more, you kind of expand. It's not just this little moment. And I love that. Cause it's like, if you're talking about a series where you're, you have all these other worlds that you didn't know about and aliens that you didn't know about. And it's not like all of a sudden you, you know about all of them. Right. You know, you, you, you kind of learn along with the characters. Oh, well, mm-hmm. there's this extra. Oh, did you know about this also? Did you know there's this entire other race? So gradually, gradually you build more. And I think that, um, you know, year by year, it really increased. I, I think for me, it um, peaked around, I would say, seasons four through six. Yeah. I think are like, like really, really good. You had the background already in place. Um, you had um, good relationships. You had um, some characters and races, um, a lot of political dynamics. Um, I love the, I love complicated characters. Um, Mayborn. Is one of my favorite characters on that whole show. He was a recurring character that um, was originally like that bad. He's 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 working with the you know, with the shadow government. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's uh, within uh, within the government to take control of the Stargate program. And and then he ends up helping out Jack from time to time, and then eventually becomes kind of 
kind of respectful of each other, sort of. And th- mm-hmm. those complicated gray areas, yeah, 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 are uh, are some of my favorite things in any show um, because they 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 are they're more they're more real to me, like in the sense of like a lot of decisions we make are not really simple. Like, should I wipe out an entire planet or should I not wipe out an entire planet? Right. You know, it's more like you know what do we do with this technology? You know that we find and who who controls this? Um, should we tell everybody? You know, th- those kind of questions that Stargate tackled, I think, are, are very interesting questions. And they're more at the heart of what science fiction really is meant to be, as far as, as I see it. You know, questions of our, about, about ourselves, questions about humanity, about morality, about, you know, what if. Mm. You know, um, one, of my, one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time is uh, Minority Report. Yep. Um, Phil, Phil, Phil K. Dick does a fantastic job of asking those kinds of questions. And that, that to me is just the essence of science fiction is like you say, what if this could, if this was the case, like what if we could, in the case of Minority Report, what if we could um, know what was going to happen before it happened? And the question, the big question is, would it be okay to arrest these people for something they hadn't even done yet? Right. You know, and, and uh, the question of, do, do we really know that they were going to do it? And you know, did and even if we did, is that really? I mean, is that, are we, could we really do that? And those are those are really really interesting questions. So you have like these, you know, chase scenes and cool special effects and action and and whatnot. But ultimately, at the heart of it, um, and it goes back to Stargate as well. You, you have really good questions about humanity and morality and and who we are. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point that that the sci-fi genre in particular, because it can be so huge is you can take those moral conundrums and put them at arm's length and look at them in such a way that you wouldn't typically see, you know, because if you think, if you, if you're looking at it from your experience and what you can see, you very quickly begin to explain away or make excuses for, but when it's something that you can see and it, and it doesn't affect you at all, you know, like I think Futurama did a good job with that as well, as far as picking up these, these ideas that, that like I, that I, I would never think that you should eat a sentient species. Well, okay, but what if they look like delicious chicken nuggets? You know, like would you, would you eat them then? And and so I think you're right that that there when you have that sci-fi genre, you can pull things out, make it at such either a ginormous scale that you can you can detach from it, or so minute and small that you can actually see more aspects of it. Um, yeah. I think it's helpful, and I think you, you you brought up the idea too of the. Uh, the encapsulated episodes, you know, the plan of the week, uh, and um, uh, as well as the big story arcs. I mean, if you just had Planet of the week, y- you don't stay episode to episode. You've got to have those arcs. And that was actually a, a discussion I had with with Doug Felton. Uh, was I, I said, "What's the difference between?" Because he couldn't stand Stargate, couldn't stand it, loved Star Trek. And I go, "Help me understand the difference." And he couldn't do it. Now you're a fan of both, so help me understand maybe where he's coming from, the difference between Star Trek, which the original series was kind of Planet of the Week. And I don't even know that there's a whole lot of arc throughout there, but it was a lot of Planet of the Week. Yeah. Help me understand the difference between those two for his sake, because he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So was, was he talking original series or Next Generation? Or what? He was, uh, I don't know which, so for me, my experience with Star Trek is, is really Next Generation and some Voyager. Um, I tried to get him to watch SG-1 and he couldn't make it through three episodes. He's like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't take it. Uh, and uh, I was like, it's, it's and, and it was, I think it was the Planet of the Week aspect. And I'm going, that's exact. Like, that's what Star Trek is. It's Planet of the Week. And he just, he couldn't do it. So I know that he is big original series uh, and some um, next generation, uh, and then the newer stuff like he that gap of um, end of next generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. I don't know that he had a whole lot of experience in there, uh, but originals and then 
you know, discovery and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so what's, what are the big differences then between those, those two setups that you can extrapolate, think through? Okay. So um, it's interesting because when, when Leslie, my wife, Leslie and I, when we watch uh, the stuff, cause she actually does like this. And I got to tell you a quick little backstory, <laughs> small, small tangent. Um, I was talking to Leslie about Stargate SG-1 uh, leading up to our wedding because um, uh, we got married in 03. So if you could scare and, her off, uh, like we'll I, scare her like that's it, this is it. Like do it before we get married. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get all the cards on the table. Let's talk about it. Can't yeah. we have this discussion? If not, we can just stop right now, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was I was telling her something about Teal'c and something that he had said. And something in our conversation reminded me of it. And I was like, so you, you might you might enjoy this because I know she likes some sci-fi, but you know when you're when you're first you're dating and you're engaged and you, you perhaps maybe pretend like you <laughs> like something the other person likes a little more than you really do. Smoke and mirrors and, and trap doors. I, yeah. kinda, <laughs> so I had that, I had that doubt. Like, I don't know if she really actually went, was interested in sci-fi or she's just pretending, but turns out she really does enjoy sci-fi. She, she enjoys a lot of things. I really love that about her. Uh, we, we watch a lot of stuff together, but anyway, she was talking about, yeah, I'd love to watch that with you sometime. We'll have to watch that. So I actually brought a few uh, DVDs on our honeymoon, including I, I didn't want to just grab one DVD, so I brought the whole first season box set. So she will tell you that all we did on our honeymoon was watch Stargate. <laughs> um, and <laughs> that's not entirely true, but I feel like I got some serious nerd cred from uh, from getting her to watch a bit, of, at least a bit of Stargate on our, on our honeymoon. But uh, anyway, she... Um, she is a big fan of the plan of the week to your point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, she loves the plan of the week stuff. She loves the whole, you know, find out the new culture, the new people. Um, there's some, it's, I think it's the mystery aspect mm -hmm. of it, right? You know, there's always something behind the scenes, something going on that is like, uh, like it seems like a paradise or it seems like um, that what, what we know is uh, right at the face of it. Right. I think one the, I don't remember the name of the episode, but the, the episode where they go and they meet the, un, the people that are underground and they're mm -hmm. at war with another group of people. Um, and I think that's a fantastic version of that, where you meet these people, they look just like us. They are, are struggling through some things are obviously being oppressed and they have things that we need in terms of medicine and whatnot. So we'll work with them. And then, of course, it turns out that they're the ones who started this war. They're genocidal and racist and uh and then you know, like the more you dig the more you find out oh mm. we're on the wrong side of this and uh i think that mystery aspect of those yeah. planet of the week kind of episodes is what she enjoys and I, I do in two i do too i think they're they're kind of fun you can kind of mix it up a bit mm -hmm. you can tell uh, a suspense story you can tell a horror story you can tell you know something fantastical um you can really play with those and i think that's really what the uh the strength of star trek the original series was because they had no arcs right like right. at all um there were some things where you, you they may have referred back to something that happened earlier like a character right i mean like you had uh i think mud was in two two um, episodes um and you know, sometimes you refer back to like a Sarek, you know or somebody who's like a, a guest character right right um but there was almost no real arc. Um, and so, I mean, to me, honestly, original series, I, there's probably about, and I'm, I'm going to sound terrible. I'm going to get rid of some of that nerd credit I just gave <laughs> a minute ago. Um, 
original series for me there's like maybe eight or ten episodes that i think are pretty cool yeah and a couple of those i think are like phenomenal mm-hmm. like uh um edge of tomorrow the city at the edge of tomorrow i can't mm. the name of the exact name of the, the yeah that that one um the one where they first meet the romulans uh you know those those are like like classic classic really well done shows and there's a whole bunch of terrible ones <laughs> um just just being honest here no no right no, now listen. it's not, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the original series. Like that, like, that's not me. I was Jean Luc Picard was my was my captain. Like that was that right. was the series that that I came into and watched and enjoyed. So this is actually a, a good comment. So moving more toward modern, and I, I, I got to tell you, part of this, of course, there was no, there was nothing like Star Trek. Mm. I mean, there was sci-fi, but there was nothing like Star Trek. So I, I give them a lot of credit for like being pioneers. You know, so it's kind of like bands. We talk about bands from the 50s or 60s being amazing bands when they really weren't that amazing, but they were pioneers. Right. And they, they like, and so for that, absolutely, you know, major props, mm-hmm. even if they're not you know, musically as proficient, perhaps, as some of the, some people today, um, they were original and they, they were great songwriters or, you know, whatever. So it's not necessarily that the product was, you know, beautifully produced at the time because it probably wasn't, mm. but it was had a real rawness and originality that mm. still stands the test of time. And so, in that sense, I don't know about standing the test of time, but definitely had some of that originality with the original series. But uh, Next Generation, you're getting to that that same kind of thing where Next Generation and another one of my favorites from the '90s uh, with Babylon Five. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, both of them had rough first seasons. Again, it was like you had one or two like veteran actors kind of like i was talking about with richard anderson and, mm-hmm. and stargate yep and then the rest of everybody it was like oh, i'm glad to have a job but it probably won't last very long probably won't even be picked up for a whole season and if then it definitely won't be a second season um but then something about it catches on they end up having a job for multiple seasons and everybody grows as mm-hmm. an actor you know, as writers or whatever so you got some sg1 i'm sorry uh next generation um, you know, that first season, they obviously had a, a few little arcs that they started, things that you like could have been really, really interesting. But, you know, if, if it goes somewhere, right, you know, like, kind of like Firefly, right? You have these things like when Firefly, that everybody, the reason they want more seasons, not only because it was a good show, but because there were so many things set up mm. to become arcs. Right. And then they never got to be realized. So you got obviously right off the bat, you got Q, you know, you have um, several uh, um stories within the character development like uh, data's character development mm-hmm. right from the beginning things that you're like oh this could really go somewhere right uh, what kind of problems are we going to have with Worf? what about the whole you know um animosity between humans and, and uh, klingons and so those kind of things that would carry over inherently um and the, the writers would just have to take advantage of something that they already set up from the beginning um so right off the bat that's very different um and not just the characters are different from the original series, but just the setup mm. was very different. And I think it's very similar to to uh, SG One. Honestly, I really do. Yeah. I think that of all those shows, Next Generation, that part of it is very similar to uh, to Stargate. And I think your ones like um, Babylon Five, mm. again, one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time, was almost entirely about the arc. Mm. Like you had about three or four different arcs going on and like every show was just a continuation of that arc. And they had a few little, uh, it wasn't plan of the week. It was more like uh, character of the week, I guess. Mm. Um, but it, but ultimately the whole show uh, was about these arcs and, you know, it was, I thought it was fantastic, but I can see how people 
wouldn't necessarily enjoy that. It was, you know, kind of like the 24 uh, kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. thing where like, if you just want a single show, do not watch this show. <laughs> right. But if you want to, if you want to commit to a whole season, then yes, by all means. So for, I, I, as far as a uh, Doug's thing, I don't know, you know, it's, um, he's just wrong. I, 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 you can just say he's just wrong. That's, that's what it was. <laughs> that's what it was. It, it's, it's very possible. It was just the, kind of the stilted acting some of the hokey dialogue it was the first season that he watched i'm sure it probably was and and you bring up a good point season one of any sci-fi show is not the same as seasons two through the rest there it's a it's a it's a testing period they don't have the budget they have in the other shows they're trying to figure out what connects and what doesn't connect um i tried to give him like 10 episodes like watch these i did the same thing with doctor who he didn't want to watch doctor who either and i was like just take like take like these episodes and and these are good ones and uh and he just he just wouldn't do it, and um and then he would give me stuff to watch. And I'd go, oh yeah, that was okay. And I was like, watch mine. Mine is much better. I guarantee it. Um, all right. So uh, SG SG one, you've got a, a big love for that. We'll come back to some more details there. Did you watch Atlantis or Universe at all? Yeah, I did. Um, I watched all of Atlantis. Um, yeah, Cal Drogo, of course. Mm-hmm. Is, that's the first place I ever saw. <laughs> first place I ever saw it. Uh, I ever saw him. Um, I really enjoyed the dynamic on that one too. I mm-hmm. thought they did a real nice job. Uh, a few interesting choices. Um, that's more of your uh, uh, complicated characters mm. like uh, Todd, uh, yep. Todd yep. Wraith and yep. um, you know, things like that where you're like, you're not really sure how you feel about it and it changes as time goes on, the more you find out about them and their motivations. Um, I thought that it was a pretty well done show. I really liked bringing in, occasionally the uh characters i thought they did a, a good amount of bringing in the sg1 yep. characters yep um you, you know not, not so much that you're like like uh, relying on their presence to have people watch the show mm. but enough to remind everybody that it's connected whatever's going on and yeah yeah exactly it's connected yeah i so, got uh, uh o'neill was in four episodes of atlantis uh uh and then uh dr jackson was in three and of course uh Samantha Carter, she was the one that was there a lot, uh, 25, because she yeah. replaced, I think, um, basically her counterpart. Dr. Weir, I think, for a while. Yep, yep, because yeah. she, uh, when she became a, or was dealing with the replicators, I think she came in and kind of helped right. to stabilize that. Um, which really right. funny enough, looking at the original, uh, looking at SG-1, um, Samantha Carter was the only one that was in all the episodes. Like, she was in all of them. And, of course, you know, O'Neill's replaced yeah. later on with um, – uh, who was it that replaced him? Ben Browder, which I think Ben Browder yeah. and Joe Flanagan. So Shepard and then uh, Colonel Mitchell are the same person. They look exactly the same. Yeah. They got the same black they really do. hair, the same attitude. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Atlantis was my favorite. Atlantis, was, I've watched through Atlantis probably two or three times. I think I think the reason why I've watched through it multiple times is because to watch through SG One, you've got two hundred episodes, <laughs> and to watch through Atlantis. Yeah. It's it's less, you know, and so um, but I yeah. I enjoyed uh that one. And you're right, uh, you know, Jason Momoa, who uh we know from Baywatch. Actually, Baywatch was the first thing he was in, but uh <laughs> that was before that, yeah. That was true. before that, but, but he's in everything now, everything as the same character. Yeah, as, as a non-Baywatch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and then it was uh, funny because I, I I didn't watch a, a Baywatch, but it was funny when I went when I first saw him in the show, I was like, oh, he's pretty cool. I wonder what else he did. And you see those young pictures of anybody when they first yes. start acting, you're like, what the heck? Yeah, and right. then uh, SGU, I, I watched it through once, and I really enjoyed it, but I never went back and watched it again. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm really enjoying this, and then I've never thought to go back and, and do it again. Yeah, and uh, I, that was one where 
you know, it's, it's that definitely, that was like a Battlestar Galactica light. Mm. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was so heavily influenced by the success of, of Battlestar um, that it was almost like a copy <laughs> um, in terms of like the feel of it, the kind of characters they had, even some individual characters. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying it necessarily makes it bad. I think that it makes it a product of the moment on which I, yeah, sure it could be argued that all things are, but um, it's, uh, didn't particularly connect with me. I, I pretty much watched it because for two reasons. One, because it was Stargate. It's Stargate. We and finish Robert Carlyle. Yes. And Robert Carlyle is yes. the other reason because I think he's amazing in everything he does, honestly. Um, he's also the only reason I watched uh, Once Upon a Time. So. And he was fantastic in that show. Fantastic yeah. in it. He's what made it. Yeah. He's what made the show. Oh, his, yeah. Like, uh, and, and again, that's one where, like, you know, it's his uh, you know, Rebel Stilskin's way over the top, but all all fantasy sci- um, like fairy tale characters are. But his like Mr. Gold version is mm-hmm. like has that same kind of like you know he's got to be evil. Yeah, just just from the way he walks or the way he like looks at you. But uh, it's just and so also a complicated internal. character. It's, that complicated character, yes. his relation with Bell and all yes. that stuff. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, a whole episode of Robert Carlyle making a note. Got it. Do, doing that. Um, <laughs> So, see, so, yeah, so I spent a lot of time with um, with Atlantis, uh, and so the because I've watched those episodes so many times, I've you know seeing l- looking at the cast of SG One and the cast of Atlantis, SG One once they were done, you don't see them in a whole lot of other stuff. Whereas Atlantis, that was the launching point for a lot of these people to go and do other things. I made a list of, of several of them. So, I mean, Momoa, you got Momoa; he's been in everything, and yes. that was I, I yes. think that was his first hit. I think I think Atlantis was really. Yeah. Is his first time near the shine and in everything. Um, but even some of the smaller characters, like um, uh, so uh, David Hewlett, who is Rodney McKay, was in several things, including uh, Dark Matter, which is another show that I, I really enjoyed. Um, he was in Planet of the Apes. He was the the the, the mean neighbor at the beginning there. Um, uh, and uh, so he was in those things. Um, and then um, uh, it was funny. Several, and it's funny when I was looking at these, several were in the same shows. So, um, uh, so Dr. Elizabeth Weir was also in Dark Matter, but the one that I thought was crazy was, so Paul McGillan, who was Carson Beckett. So the, yeah. the Irish guy, when I was going yes. through his the stuff he's worked on, he's only been in like an episode or two in these shows, but like I was scrolling forever on IMDB. He has been in everything. And I remember seeing him in Fringe and uh, I don't know if you watch Fringe or not. But um, I did watch French, yes. He was the the people yes. that had like the, the bark faces that were they were whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's that's definitely who that is. But he was in everything. He was in Flash, he was in V, he was in Sta- uh, Sanctuary, he was on the Star Trek movie, uh, he was on SG1, but as a different role, he played a different character than Carson yeah. Beckett in an episode of SG1. Uh, he was on Once Upon a Time, he was on Supernatural, he was on Fr- he was on every I mean, hardest working man in showbiz. I was uh, which is just yeah. funny. And I know I've seen him recently, but I can't remember what I was watching. It was probably something old. But he was in something else. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that was uh, funny. And then um, uh, uh, Zelenka, who was the, his his counterpart, uh, I don't know if you watched Arrow or not, but he plays the exact yeah. opposite human being in Arrow as as this you know Russian underlord versus Zelenka, who was the yes. nerd. I see the dinosaur. Hey, take the dinosaur, and I'm gonna come <laughs> play with you in a minute, bud. Okay, go in the living room. I'll play with you in a minute. Um, it's a completely different human being. I mean, Zelenka is not definitely not the same as uh, Anatoly, but um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, as the, the wraiths and the replicators, I the replicators bothered me. Like I don't know, like they they disturbed me. I don't remember what it was about them, but I remember like I did not like those. Not like I thought they were poorly done, but like they freaked me out. The replicators, something yeah. about them freaked me out. But 
Sergey Atlantis, that was that was mine. Uh, my SG one experience. It wasn't even sci-fi. It was when it was syndicated in, on Fox. Like you know, much later when it would be on late at night on Fox is when I would watch those episodes. Um, and then it was. I think I was married, and I started going through all of Stargate because I had a job where I would sit behind a desk and do nothing for eight hours a day. And so I would watch TV while I was sitting at this desk doing nothing for eight hours a day. And I, and I caught up, but, gotcha. um, but as I, I mean, I, yeah, I no, was, good for, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, I, another one, he wasn't a regular, but uh, Chris Iredahl, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was a, uh, you know, he, he had a lot, a lot of guest spots and he was another one that uh, he had a character on one of the SG one episodes where he played pretty much himself, you know, in terms of like how he looks and how he talks mm-hmm. and everything. And um, then he started to have like that, um, like trying different accents, different uh, alien makeup, you know, whatever. And and he's one of those ones that just he fits whatever he can right. he, he can uh, um, adapt to whatever he needs to have done. And he and I, I wouldn't say he's exactly like a you know superstar taking off, but definitely a lot of opportunities. Kind of like what you're talking about with some of those other actors. So yeah, it, it was I, I, I definitely see a lot of them around still. Whereas I don't really see a whole lot of um, some of the other people. Yeah. Hang on one sec. Let me shut my door. Keep my boy out. I do love his sound effects, though. He's got some pretty great sound effects. Um, so I, <laughs> I stumbled across this. I didn't realize it, and it may have been an IMDb mistake, but... Uh, did you know that there's a character that was in the 1994 movie that played the same role in the in SG One? Yes, I think there are actually two. Well, um, I, found, I found the, one. Uh, I think they're okay. If I remember correctly, I'd have to look this up. So this, this is from a long time ago memory. Mm-hmm. So I apologize if I'm wrong. <laughs> but I, I believe Scara, yes, um, yes. from Abydos. Yep. And I think Shari's father was also the same actor. Okay, I, I, I'm looking at some going. But, uh, that's got to be a mistake. That's got to be an error. But but yeah, that was that was the one I found was was Scar as Alexis yeah, he, Cruz. Yes, and uh, he he was really cool. It was a it was a neat little character for him, and it was it was funny to see because like like I love Richard Anderson. I think he was fantastic. He did his own thing um, as opposed to Kurt Russell. They they really didn't have a whole lot in common in terms of like the way they played the role. Right. Um, but that, it's it's fine. I mean, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed both of them for what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I find James Spader's uh, uh, looked to me like Michael Shanks was essentially trying to act like James Spader, and which is potentially why maybe some of those early episodes are a little stilted mm. um, in terms of the acting. But uh, ultimately, they kind of came into their own. But to have those differences, those major differences between characters, and then have Scar walk on, you're like, oh, yeah. Same guy. (laughs) And maybe, and so like, and I don't remember, I know I saw the Stargate movie before I saw the Stargate TV show. I did not see it in 94. 94, I would have been in fourth grade, not to uh, to throw that out there, but uh, I was in fourth (laughs) grade. uh, And so it would have been later. And so I don't know that I would have made that connection then. Um, uh, But, uh, but I, I, when I saw that, I was like, that's, that's weird. That's the same name and the same character. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so one thing I wanted to, to, to talk about, uh, specifically with SG-1, we don't really see it much in, in, uh, in either of the others, but they take, you know, mythology and, uh, you know, mythological characters and they tie it just like they did in Thor with uh, science yeah, and exactly. space and whatever else to, to explain that away, um, which I, I'm sure yes. they did with like an episode or two 
uh, but I can't remember them doing it with the Christian faith. But as a Christian, and you look at that, like as a sci-fi fan, I go, it's a sci-fi. I don't care. This isn't a real TV show. It doesn't bother me if, you know, wherever they go. But but how right. does that make, where, where do you go with that? With that idea that, okay, these Egyptian gods were actually aliens that were highly advanced. That's why I have the pyramids. And the same with the Norse gods and the Asgardians. Like, where do you fall in that, uh, thinking through that idea? Um, on, on a large scale, I think it's, it's a question of, like, wh- where do common narratives come from? Mm. You know, when you, when you have things that, uh, the, I guess the one that everybody always talks about is the flood. Right, yep. Right, uh, when, they, when they talk about, you know, multiple cultures having, having stories of the flood. And, uh, you know, what, what do you take away from that? Where, where does this come from? So um, one fairly obvious answer of course is that it really happened Mm. right um and so like i don't think necessarily having a common story means that something really happened but Mm. i think that in the case of the flood i I believe it did but i mean in the case of uh common stories i think what really what it really means is that you're talking about um experiences that are common to all people Mm. so in in the case of some things it could just be that the people have a common fear uh right so like um example would be fire Okay, so like I, I, I'm not saying at all that dragons did not exist. Some some version of a dragon may have existed at some point in time. Right. But when people say like, oh, well, everybody has stories of dragons, I'm like, yeah, well, it's because everybody has fear of monsters, large animals that they can't mm-hmm. control, and everybody has fear of fire, mm-hmm. um, consuming their villages, killing people, whatever. So it's a fairly, it's not a hard leap to say that everybody would have some fantastical version of a dragon so, because it's common experience. Mm. So when I when I think about things that are uh, inherently miraculous in stories um it's 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 a little confusing to me why it is that people like feel the need to absolutely all the time have a scientific explanation for this Mm. like a natural i'll say a natural explanation for this um so i definitely i like the idea like most things that happen on the planet do not need miraculous explanations i mean if you know, we believe that God created the earth. We believe that he set it into motion. And it is therefore perfect in the sense that it's exactly what he wanted to create. Right. So, I mean, obviously the planet is fallen. It's a fallen creation because, you know, sin is introduced and all that. But in terms of this is the way, this is what God created. This is the way he meant to um, um, set things into motion. You don't necessarily need a miraculous explanation for uh, a plant growing. Mm-hmm. or uh, rain falling right you know things that people have assigned at, like in the past may have assigned uh, supernatural explanations for and then so now people look and say oh well obviously they were cuckoo because you don't need right. supernatural explanation <clears throat> other than of course the creation of the systems mm-hmm. you know now that right that would be a different question but in terms of an ongoing process um it was set into motion we believe by um by god but it doesn't need that like necessarily that God is constantly now it's going to rain. Now it's going to blow. Now mm. it's going to grow, you know, whatever. It's just something he said into motion. So um, I guess the thing about the, the miracles or things that are um, uh, like in the, in the, in the Bible, when we talk about uh, anything that, that God, I'm trying to think of some of the, some of the, uh, the ones in Egypt, right? Some mm-hmm. of the, the frogs, the locusts, all the plagues, um, yeah, all that stuff that, yeah, all the plagues and uh, looking for like, well, this happened and uh, well, you frogs were actually common and locusts, <laughs> right. guys, whatever. 
And then they escaped and went across the Red Sea. Well, the Red Sea was known to have a low spot at that particular point in time, you know, and, it, and people want to have these like natural explanations for things that within the story are clearly meant to be miraculous. Right. And I'm like, well, okay, if you don't really think it happened, then why, why would you bother? Right, right. With a natural explanation, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> if, if you want to just be, a, if you're a non-believer, then like, well, then you're a non-believer. Then yeah. don't, <laughs> why, why would you care? Right. Right. And it, but even more than that are, are people who claim to actually believe the Bible and claim to be Christians or whatever, and still mm-hmm. want to talk about, well, you know, there's actually was a star over Bethlehem, a convergence of planets and look like a star and i'm like dude you you, you didn't read this right and uh and if you if you did why would why why are you trying to assign this to something that's clearly meant to be miraculous right so on the flip side of that i think is 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 the uh is the the way people are looking back at you know centuries of people assigning supernatural things that are not supernatural Mm. and trying to push back against that i got you right they're just they're so tired of hearing that everything right. is is meant to be a, a God interfering in this moment and are, are like a changing the natural order of things, which we call a miracle, and um, and saying, well, obviously that's not the case, and we're, and we're pushing so hard against that. So they want to have a natural uh, or scientifically provable explanation for something, and for some people, they actually go the route of aliens. I don't I don't necessarily think that's a pr- particularly large segment of the population that does that. <laughs> Um, probably right. about the same amount that are like flat earthers, but yes. Um, yes. nevertheless, uh, you know, right. <laughs> I, I think that's where that comes from. Cause when you do run across something like the grand Canyon mm-hmm. or, or uh, the uh, you know, evolution creation of, of species, whatever it is, things that generally make you go, Hmm, like how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Right. Things that aren't just sort of really, really clear right off the bat. Um, that make you wonder and therefore you end up with all these possibilities. So in the case, of course, Stargate, the pyramids, um, you know, you, you end up with, uh, you know, where, where do you go? Do you go to, to the supernatural explanation? You know, do you go to the uh, um, purely like, okay, well, it's probably just people. Right, right, <laughs> uh, right. Uh, a natural explanation, um, which of course I, I would agree with in the case of pyramids, you know, or do you go with um, some kind of like, natural but out there right explanation like like alien involvement for instance so honestly i i don't really blame necessarily any people i think everybody who comes up with these these possibilities could comes up from their um, partly with how they were raised um, something that they're either trying to agree with to, to justify their own beliefs mm-hmm. or to um to uh, push back against something that they felt was damaging to them um, plus, they just they just want to find out you know who they are in the universe, and, and particularly I think for older people, and I don't mean old people, I mean older like uh, not children. Okay, we'll say adults you. in there general um, that have had long enough to have some system of a worldview in place in their heart and mind for any period of time. I think that ultimately we all are guilty of trying to take whatever we see and fitting it to our, our established worldview because to not do that would be to admit that our worldview is wrong mm. uh, and it may not be completely wrong and i think that's one thing that christians really really need to battle with is the idea that it is possible that there's some small thing that we got wrong about um about our christian faith like we individual not, not the bible but we, we not, individuals have wrong about our i'm tracking right, about our faith or 
about the way um, the Bible is describing the world, and, but uh, our interpretation was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then when something challenges it to say, oh, well, that doesn't really fit, that doesn't work, we say either, well, well, that's conspiracy theory, that's ridiculous, we're being lied to, um, or we fall apart completely and say, well, I guess the entire Bible is wrong. And we don't say to ourselves, well, let me just re-examine where exactly I got this from. And did, right. was it me or was it the Bible? Was it interpretation? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where like our true introspection comes from. And uh, back to the Babylon 5, there was there was a great episode talking about, it was someone looking for the, the uh, Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody was making fun of this guy who was traveling the universe, literally looking for the Holy Grail. And uh, the wise Minbari were like, were treating him as though he was respected. And everybody else was like, this guy's crazy. And he, they said he is a seeker of truth. And uh, Minbari always give honor to those who are seekers of truth. And uh, I always love that. I think that was, that's a really, really great thing. No matter you know, who we are, whether I completely think you're just totally full of it or right. whether I, I disagree with the worldview, I think that anybody who is truly honest with themselves and uh, is a true seeker of truth and not just uh, a justifier or a, um, a you know, just pure dogma all the time because that's all they have, um, then I think that's where it comes from. I think as Christians, the best Christians I, that I, I talk to, the people that I respect and the people I love to listen to are ones who are willing to admit that they are always seeking truth. Mm. And they know that the greatest source of truth is the Bible. And it comes from God. Um, but to make sure that they are not uh, misinterpreting, that they're not misapplying mm. um, those things is it's, uh, it's, it's really powerful and it's, it, t- it takes a lot of humility. Mm. Um, and uh, so I have great respect for that. I'm uh, in the middle of a class, um, Hebrew, learning Hebrew, biblical Hebrew. And uh, oh, cool. you know, it's uh, he was talking about, he's talking about, Context and culture. You're, you're talking about, you know, Bible, and we can read the Bible and come to two different interpretations of it, which is, is possible for any any literary work. Uh, and so, but but understanding context and all this stuff helps to kind of dispel some of that. Understanding uh, intention helps to dispel some of that. But even still, there's gonna be things that we don't get. But it was funny because they were talking about how, um, you know, if I were to give you uh, a series of letters and tell you as a code, one of the initial codes you would go to is is assigning a numerical value for those letters. So A would be one, B would be two, so on and so forth. Yeah. And people do the same thing for the Hebrew alphabet sometimes to try and point at there's this mystery hidden here. And uh, we're talking about it. And he goes, at no point did anyone in ancient Israel ever use that <laughs> that system. At no point would that have ever been used. That is a totally American thing. So you do not have to go yeah. and say, well, his name is DFG. And so that means that it is 450. And he's like, so anyone who tells you they figured it out and that's it. And so, um, so uh, left bet, give the let's uh, 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 Vav. Vav is the sixth letter. So if someone says that, that Vav, Vav, Vav means 666, that's the sign of the beast. No, not really. That's just an American thing. That's uh, you know, and so yeah. which is uh, funny enough is the monster symbol is three um of that uh, six letter. And so there, I remember watching this video was they was like, see that's six six six, and they're like, well, monster may have done that, may have they may have chosen that, but that's not a biblical interpretation of what's happening here. Yeah. But um, but yes, uh, I, I think I think you're right that that we uh we may get a piece wrong, and instead of 
throwing everything out that we have to examine where did that where did that come from i had a student ask me one time you know like why does the bible hate women and i was like it really doesn't like where are you getting that from and someone had pointed to that verse in ephesians where it says that women should remain silent go see bible hates women it's like that's not that's not accurate buddy like let's 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 look at this as a whole and and you can take that one verse and throw everything out or you can take a, a single verse in deuteronomy about how we should treat our slaves and throw the whole thing out um but that's yeah. again not uh not what we should do that that cognitive dissonance where what we believe and what's true doesn't line up doesn't mean we have to we have yeah. to examine that I, I find it very amusing when people will talk about something as though the bible promotes it um by pointing to specific characters who did those things right and uh, as an example i'm thinking of i'm not gonna get into this whole thing but the certain things that david is uh was a certain way had a certain lifestyle or whatever of course and they'll say well if david was whatever i'm like so you're basically saying that if david did something that god approved of it yeah because <laughs> I, I think you'll find that's probably not correct uh, um and uh you know it's <laughs> but you know it, it's it's you know like you said people looking for uh whatever would justify whatever they are interested in promoting at the time and uh yeah yeah you know. And two, you know, going back to, to SG one and the number of deities that they mm. brought in, you know, the, that was the that was the basis of the first movie, which is great. Like, let's go for that. Sounds good. And then they go, what else can we stick to the wall? Like, let's. Because I remember there was like, I think I remember like Bail wasn't Bail in an episode or something, you know. And yes. so I'm yes. sure they were thinking like, what can we throw that they'll go? Okay, as Guardians, we like that. Let's 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 you know yeah. let's. So I think that was you know <laughs> of course storytelling and going let's stay on theme. Um, but yeah. uh, I do, you know as a Christian, it is frustrating at times when people go, Oh, well, like you said, there's this natural explanation and it was aliens. It's like, that was not a natural explanation. That was, that, that's not how that works. Uh, you yeah. know, but it is what it is. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to move on to my favorite part of the episode. It's the, this or that's the quick fire. I'm going to ask you some questions uh, and I'll answer as well. Uh, but these are just like no thought really necessary for these questions. The first one is this um, you have to only keep one half, uh, of Richard Dean Anderson's uh, history alive, does MacGyver disappear Ooh. or does O'Neill disappear? <laughs> Which one? Which oh, one? Is gone? I know you said, you, you said it's what you said. It wasn't going to require thinking. <laughs> this is true. Okay, this first one is is definitely a lot different. The other ones, uh, this one is it was just because I know that you're a big. Uh, uh, like if you look at my list, it's at the top because I added yeah. it last. There's a blank line there. I was like, ooh, I'm gonna add that one in there. So. <laughs> Uh, so yes, yeah, so so which one, man? Which one? Uh, only one is going to exist, and you're the one that gets to decide which one goes. Uh, I I would have to probably keep Stargate um, because it does is attached to a larger universe, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean like within the show. I mean like you know more more shows around it. I think oh, it yeah. was a bigger show. Probably all in all was a better show honestly uh, there's I, I don't mind admitting that a lot of the things i enjoyed back in the 80s were <laughs> definitely products of the 80s yes yep uh so yeah but i still still love MacGyver, but still that's it's fine. uh that's fine. yeah i i, I, would, I would keep stargate, I would keep stargate. <laughs> oh yeah that's how about you uh, yeah, no, I would definitely Stargate as well. I, I remember, I remember a handful of MacGyver episodes, and just the idea of being able to make anything with a Swiss Army knife and a, and a paperclip, you know, is is exciting. Um, and I was going to jokingly say, well, they they remade MacGyver, and isn't that one just as good as the as the original? And it's not. Uh, and I was going to say, well, you could remove uh, you could remove O'Neill from from Stargate, and you've got you've got you know Ben Browder's character that you know wasn't he just as good? Which I didn't mention before, Ben Browder 
uh, and Claudia Black. Were both in, uh Yes, one of my favorite shows. I love Farscape. Yeah. Uh, and so it's nice to see them uh, working together there as well. Second question. No, I, I love, I really did love Ben Browder, but I, I, I really missed when they, when Jack left the show. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. And I think he did a good job. Um, uh, and again, I'm having to sit here and try and remember which one's which because uh, both, both Ben Browder uh, and Joe Flanagan look the same. And so I'm having to like, go, okay, which one is it? And remembering Farscape is helpful, but yes. Um, yes. Yeah, it, it was, it was enjoyable. All right. Second question, most terrifying villain. All right. So across the series, which one do you go? That one right there. If that one was real, I already mentioned, I don't know what it was about the replicators, but they freaked me out. Replicators freaked me out. Um, so what about you? What do you, what do you look at and you go, this was probably, if this was, if this is real, I would be, I would be scared about this. Um, well, several, honestly, they would all be scary, but um, I'll tell you, and this is one where while generally my, my real love for Stargate um, kind of tapered off toward the end, I got to say the Ori. Mm. um and the the followers of the aura I, I think because that that played so hard on um uh like your your cultic or your um people who are who are so into a, a particular belief that um they're essentially becoming terrorists i mean it was um yeah they, they they are they blindly become um terrorists on behalf of their religion or behalf of some belief system and so it was, I think that's actually ironically the realism of it. So mm. the Ori and particularly their followers would be my, uh, my choice. And every time you say it, I hear uh, Claudia Black saying it. That's the only character I can remember saying that word was, uh, was that. So uh, I don't know why her voice is the one ringing in my head. All right. So uh, <laughs> you can choose one mode of transportation. You can either take the Stargate or one of the light speed ships that the Asgardians gave. Like you get to have, you can't oh, use, you can't use both. You can only pick one. What mode of transportation are you using to get across the galaxy? I got to tell you, the ships, man, all I can think is uh, the, the O'Neill that they built and then destroyed immediately. And, <laughs> and O'Neill didn't even know it existed until it was already gone. <laughs> That's a, that was such a great... <laughs> um, wow. Uh, probably the ship. Um, there's something really scary. I think the first time that they closed the iris and then like the people following them went boom. Yep, like yep. thud it up against the iris and never yep. came out the other end. Kind of they makes did have, go, uh, they did have the safety feature where if you kept your arm in there, it could stay open for a little longer if you right. really, really had to have it. But yes, yep, yep. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think there's some inherent danger that <laughs> you have no idea what's on the other end of the of the uh, Stargate. That's a little little scary, but I mean it's obviously got some advantages. But I'll take the ship. Yeah, I, uh, I'm thinking too about uh, Atlantis. Didn't they string them together to be able to get from Atlantis to Earth using Stargates? Like, didn't they have where they would like? I'm trying to remember now. Didn't they have like a halfway point? They had to go through all of them. So I guess you could you could yeah. jump. You could jump. I guess if you had to. But uh, but yes. Um, yeah. But if you're on a Stargate and you're on that planet and something happens to Stargate, you're stuck. So I guess same thing with the ship. Same with the ship. Um, yeah. But that whoosh sound, that's very exciting. The whoosh sound is, cool. yes, definitely. Uh, have you seen the Minecraft video where the guy created a Stargate in Minecraft that worked? It even had the whoosh? No. Like, it, no, you know, I did not. Do a YouTube search. He built two Stargates and somehow programmed them to be able to, when you went through one, you came out on the other and even had the chevrons and all those things. Like, look it up. It's it's pretty. <laughs> this dude had no life. Oh, that's awesome. He, he had no life, but it was, it was pretty amazing. All right. Uh, you've got, you're going on a mission. You have to pick one of these to go along with you. Do you take Teal or Ronan? Who do you take as your sidekick? Huh. It might depend on where I was going. 
Okay. But right. uh, it's probably not within the scope of the question. But uh, <laughs> You can pick the location. One uh, location. You can say, because of this location, I'm going to take this person. Well, one of Teal's great advantages, I guess, was that he had actually been around, you know, he, and not only he had been around, but he, he had been around, like he'd gone places and uh, knew how things worked. And uh, so his experience, I guess, is what I'm talking about. He had, he had some valuable experience as well as his uh, um, fighting skills and whatever. Um, that's tough. I, I would be, I would feel pretty safe with either one of them. I'll, I'll probably stick with Teal on this one. I think so. I think so too. I, I was thinking, you know, I know Ronan had his little, you know, his pistol, but I think like Teal with his staff, I think like I'd be, I'd be safer yeah. there, you know, long distance. I'd feel safer with, with, with having Teal there. Uh, of course, up close and personal, uh, Jason Momoa can work somebody over. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'd, yeah. probably, I'd probably go Teal as well. Um, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worried that Teal was going to get me in trouble. I'd be worried that Ronan was going to get me in trouble. Like <laughs> you're going to do something stupid and we're going to be, we're going to be stuck in a prison somewhere. I going to see that happening. Uh, all right. Uh, we already kind of went over these, but um, uh, you got to have a commander for your mission. Uh, John Shepard from Atlantis or O'Neill from SG-1. I think I feel, feel like I know where you're going on this one, but. Uh... Yeah, definitely O'Neill. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, I would like to have Shepard on my message, on my mission, but uh, I think uh, O'Neill is the one to lead it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think of the two, he was definitely much more confident, uh, much more, uh, much less shakable. Um, but uh, yeah. but with the spiky hair, if you need the spiky hair, you know, having a shepherd would be would be <laughs> beneficial. Be beneficial. Um, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, I, I think either one will be fun. All right, uh, your most annoying character. This is the character that you can't stand. My goodness, are they in another episode? Do you have any that you, or do you have any annoying characters? Like, there's one for me in in Atlantis that I go, I can't, I can't take him. I can't deal with him. Like recurring character or just like one that comes up every now and then? Either way. For me, Rodney McKay, I can't stand Rodney McKay. I just want to like, I just want to like bop him in the head. If he says ZPM one more time, because he's Canadian, like I can't, I can't take it. Uh, you know, like I just, he's always whining. <laughs> he's always complaining. He's always got that face. Like I understand that he's supposed to be the comic relief. Um, but there is no uh, way that anyone would have ever greenlit him to go to a foreign planet. Like it would not have happened. <laughs> he would have been sent back. No, you need to, I don't care if you're smart, figure it out from back home. Um, so Rodney McKay for me was, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't take him. Couldn't take him. Yeah. I, I, as far as a recurring character, I think you're, you're impossible to beat on that one. Um, <laughs> I remember, I, I can't remember the dude's name, but the guy from uh, Stargate SG one that was like, come try. I, yeah, and uh, he had built. Yeah, he was he was kind of annoying, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's tough because he actually had some very sweet moments. Yeah, um, of course, of course. I mean, he, he's got redeeming moments. Yeah. If he didn't have redeeming moments, I mean, yes. he was when he was yes. getting dumber and yes. dumber. That was a very sad episode when he was losing. He was losing his brain. Um, so that was yeah. uh, that was that was interesting. But uh, yeah, and this is when I learned that uh, Zed is Z in Canadian. I didn't know that uh, until that show. Because I'm going. <laughs> Why does he keep calling it a ZPM? What does that What does that mean? I had to look it up. So well, that one for me was uh, for Rush. It was their song YYZ. Okay. Um, that like every American says YYZ, but of course the band is Canadian. So I suppose you you really really should say YYZ for the for the name of the song. And so that, that was one of those like conundrums. Like, well, do I say Zed even though I'm not Canadian? Just because <laughs> they wrote it and they are. I, I guess so. I guess that would make sense. Uh, that was, and it was too, you know, it's a zombie, a, a Canadian zombie show when they call them Zed. It's like, Oh, this must be filmed in Canada. That's uh, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, 
All right, uh, favorite character? Do you have a favorite character? I mean, if O'Neill's your favorite, great. But if that, there's another one, or uh, let's do that in your favorite, like one-off, like or, or or very limited character. Like for me, the one character that I think about that I enjoyed that probably no one else did was Dom DeLuise's character. Like I loved the two episodes that he was in. I was like, this, I enjoy this. I don't know why I enjoy these, but I really enjoy these. I remember what his name was now? Yes. Uh, yeah, he was. Terrible. If only we had the, if only we had the internet to look it up. Yeah, if only. You got your computer. I got my phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm it on it. I'm on it. Uh, All right. Um, but uh, that was probably my, my favorite well, uh, one-off. The uh, I, I found it very amusing. The the Deloises in general, the boys. Um, Ergo. Yeah, Peter Deloise. Ergo. Ergo. Thank you. Um, the the boys who. Mm-hmm. Um, were like directing and um, acted occasionally. The which we don't really talk about, but they had some uh, amazing humor on mm-hmm. SG One. So the some of the funny stuff was like was spectacularly funny. And their hundredth episode, the Wormhole Extreme um, thing, where they had the the show within the show, mm-hmm. was just priceless. I, I could watch that all day long. And uh, um, it was a window of opportunity where they had like the Groundhog Day kind of thing mm-hmm. they over and over again. Priceless, yep. hysterical yep. stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, the Deloises were, were awesome. I think, uh, yeah, honestly, O'Neill, in terms of just actual recurring character, mm-hmm. he's uh, my favorite. And I'm, I'm sure I'm biased because of the MacGyver thing, but uh, I think he his his balance of being like a, a believable military leader, but still having those moments of just absolute hilarity. Yeah, like you mentioned Bale earlier, which they they pronounced in the show Ball, and like with the the kind of mm-hmm. uh. Uh-uh, Mm-hmm. Right, but of course, they the guy says his name Ball, and O'Neill's like, like Bachi, yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, like moments like that that right. only Anderson could really pull off. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, as far as a, a occasional recurring character, I think Mayborn, not mm-hmm. the, the first one he was in, he was very one dimensional, but the later ones I, were fantastic. I, lo- I love this stuff. Mm. All right, last question, last uh, this or that, and this, this or this or that. Uh, all right, so you're setting up your place of residence is it earth is it atlantis or is it destiny the ship so you're you're picking one to, to take missions off of are you staying on earth are you living in atlantis or are you on the ship destiny we'll say that destiny is a stable ship at this point and not falling apart <laughs> and going to cause your death at any moment uh we'll we'll, we'll do I was about that to say, i'm not sure i would choose destiny yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i don't know i guess uh probably atlantis actually i think they have they offer you know some stability in terms of like you could stay on one planet if you if you wanted to comfortably uh, with uh, good defenses but also had the ability to you know, move around if you had to this is going to sound really weird i got another reference for you here um when i first saw atlantis and the whole like you know, lifting off and like mm-hmm. going to another planet and setting down mm-hmm. um it, it it actually reminded me of the uh, castle from crawl okay yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know if you Right, like of course they they actually like, disappear, but like you know the beginning of crawl, the, the the whole thing about the ship coming to the planet and setting down like it's a mountain or like a, a city mm-hmm. into itself, and it, that whole thing, I had flashbacks of that first time I saw. Uh, Did you ever play uh, Stargate? Actually, take off. What? Did you ever play Stargate? Uh, no. Or no, Stargate, Starcraft, Starcraft. We're talking about Stargate. Uh, have Star- you ever played Starcraft with uh, Blizzard Studios or Warcraft and then Starcraft? Not not ringing any bells. It was a um, 
you would you would build a city, build an army, whatever else. But um, there were three races. One of them was the humans, and several of the human buildings could just take off, and you could move them somewhere else. And so that was also uh, similar. Go. Like if your if your base was under attack and you knew you were going to die, you could like if you get a few buildings off and move them and try again like somewhere else. <laughs> but then they would just chase you. You're like, I'm going to die. Like I've got no I've got no troops left. I've got no resources left. I'm going to land and they're going to kill me, uh, which I was thinking, you know, we mentioned earlier, uh, Stargate or uh, Lightspeed ship, I guess Destiny's both, you know, you could, you could jump off the Stargate there because they had that one on the ship and you could also, that's true, the best of both worlds. That's if true. the ship's not falling apart and out of water or yes. contaminated water or air yes. or whatever the problem is that you're having to deal with on Destiny. Um, but, uh, but yeah, well, cool. Good stuff. Um, it does and- remind me what, a, a side topic, we can't we don't have time for this right now, but a side topic that would kind of touch on a few of our conversations today would be to compare the uh, the two Battlestar Galacticas. Okay. So I would have to just learn from you because I have seen one half of one of the new Battlestar Galactica episodes and 15 okay. minutes of the movie uh, that kicked off the original series. So I would be now, now for some reason, I saw the entire Cylon show that came out later. Like I, I saw that entire thing. Yes. That, but I, I, but as far as your Battlestar Galactica, that is one like Babylon Five. I remember watching that as a kid, coming home and it being on. That was Gene Roddenberry too. Was that also Gene Roddenberry? Uh, Babylon Five, no. Oh, okay. Um, um, D- uh, Andromeda. I'm thinking, nine... I'm thinking Andromeda. Andromeda okay, was Andromeda. Gene Roddenberry, which I did see that. I also saw Babylon Five, uh, some on um, on USA when I'd come home and be playing on USA in the afternoon. Um, but uh, but yes, Battlestar Galactica. That would be that would be a new one for me. Um, I'm not opposed uh, to it. I can't remember. Straczynski is the guy who created uh, Babylon Five, and he did a few other shows. And I, I want to say I saw his name on one of the Marvel movies as a writer. He's okay. mostly a writer. Okay. And uh, I want to say it was Thor, maybe or one of them. That definitely one of the Marvel movies. I got you. I got you. Well, cool. Well, any last uh, anecdotes, thoughts from uh, from Stargate before uh, before we go? Uh, no, I guess ultimately, if I had to. You know, pick one thing. Every every show that I like, there's there, it's always about really it's about character. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, anything that is lasting um, is about um, you know character development, you know, characters interacting, you know the dialogue. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for good dialogue. Um, for me, like uh, reading reading Lord of the Rings, for instance, and there, there's some stuff where it goes on and on, pages about the hills. And I'm like, okay, dude, you know, you're an amazing writer, but just just chill out with that. But it's always made up for the fact that his dialogue was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, and so uh, for for these shows, you know, when, when you're talking about like, uh, you know, Data and Picard talking, mm-hmm. right? Like having just like really deep, meaningful conversations in like two minutes, right? That uh, just because of the, the way they projected and the way they, um, are bringing up things like questions of humanity and questions of, um, of what we really what are was the proper decision to make in any given difficult situation. And so for me, the the kind of the uh, Jack and uh, Daniel back and forth. Sometimes it got a little annoying, um, but I think that uh, they had some they had some really great um, like practically it wasn't really it's 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 too simple to say military versus science mm-hmm. right because that's like kind of tried like all the time military science but i think it was more like um practical in the moment this is something that we need this is something that they can offer we can offer whatever um versus like long-term 
science education realist you know, idealist history <laughs> yes yeah really that's, that's that's a very good uh way to describe it and i think that uh, you know beyond those moments i think that the, the conversations they had that had nothing to do with that mm-hmm. like the uh just on, a, on helping each other out or like uh, helping them through something that one of them was dealing with but the other one wasn't you know that um those moments that built their relationship together and then ultimately during the, the season when daniel was um dead mm-hmm. um or uh, ascended ascended and uh came back to visit jack and particularly the one where he was being held jack was being held by bail or ball um and uh daniel visited him i think that really pays off you know those all those conversations and all that great um uh character building um pays off in those moments where uh they just it's like a young married couple you know where they know each other they they love each other but they drive each other crazy sometimes but ultimately they uh, have a really great relationship and mm. i think that's that's at the heart of any really good story for me I got you. I got you. Well, I was just looking to see uh, if it was streaming anywhere. If you're listening to this and you go, I haven't watched Stargate, but I'd like to check it out. It is on Netflix right now. It's on Netflix. So if you want to watch it on Netflix, there you go. It looks like um, everything else is uh, is leaving um, is leaving off of Hulu. They were, I guess, uh, Universe and SG1 were on Hulu. They're now both off of there now. Um, huh. but, uh, but yeah, but right now it is still on Netflix. Well, Lance, I appreciate you taking time, man, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed talking about Stargate and uh, and how it ties into Jesus, too. That was fun, too. Um, so I appreciate it, uh, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>